Welcome to Round Hill Radio. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary. Look for moments of grace and peace and redefine what we're talking about. We talk about faith. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. How you doing? Hey, it's uh, <laughs> Easter energy. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I am not centered in my frame. There we go. That's better. It is an Easter energy. We are recording this just after Easter. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get a little bit ahead. We've been saying that and <laughs> somehow we managed to not yet be ahead. But, you know, we're going to keep trying. Yes, we are. And like Sisyphus. <laughs> Push that boulder. Put, a shul- put the shoulder it. into it. <laughs> really lean in. Um, what are we discussing today? So, um, by the way, I, I saw a great image, I think, of the way that many people can sometimes feel after Easter. I mean, for all of its glory and celebration, uh-huh. and it certainly was an amazing Easter yes. uh, in our experience. But I happened to walk into the kitchen at the church, and I saw this flower just drooping over, <laughs> you know, the, the top of the flower, practically touching the uh, top mm-hmm. of the of the countertop that was bending mm-hmm. on. I thought, you know, post-Easter, just kind of a little exhausted. Yeah. My couch and I <laughs> were became one with each other. Easter evening. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yes. Although the baby did not know it was Easter. Oh. It right. was more the problem was that the night before she did not know it was Easter. <laughs> the night before Easter. And so I think she was, you know what I think she was doing? I think she was trying to keep Easter vigil. Oh. Um nice. and yeah, it was not one for better nights of sleep. <laughs> feeling some energy. Yes. She was feeling something's different. So speaking of energy, yes. Our our topic. Our well thought done. for the day. Well done. So part of our mission here is to discover, talk about, think about the holy in the ordinary. Yes. And something occurred to me this year around Easter with special force. And I'm trying to remember if I've ever thought about this in the past in mm-hmm. the way that I'm thinking about it now. But here's my little epiphany or revelation around this. So after Jesus' death, this is the darkest time possible for the disciples, mm-hmm. right? They've been traveling with this this man who's guided them and shaped their life, you know, depending on whose perspective we're listening to, anywhere from two to three years. Mm-hmm. Then he dies. It's a brutal death. And they're left um, to try to pick up the pieces. And then, of course, we have the Easter story where that body is no longer in the tomb, mm-hmm. The stone has been rolled away. This causes uh, a great question mark to be raised over everything Mm -hmm. and ultimately leads to our Easter Sunday celebrations. And because now Jesus has been resurrected. So the thing that uh, I really took some time to think about this year is the fact that in the stories that we have about the encounters between the resurrected Jesus Mm -hmm. and his disciples and friends— they are all incredibly ordinary encounters. Hmm. Uh, he feeds them breakfast. In one story, he says, do you have anything to eat? <laughs> um, he's not looking his usual self in one of them. So actually, Mary Magdalene uh, has to, she, she looks at him initially and doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's a gardener or a groundskeeper. I have to admit that made me chuckle <laughs> a little extra amount being in an affluent neighbor, you know, community that we're in. And she thought, she, she thinks, I don't, that hit different this he's year. I don't know why. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's, it's amazing. And he gives these very simple directions to, and, and in fact, there's one other story where he um, joins a few of his friends in an evening meal and they don't recognize him either. Mm-hmm. So he's, Clearly the same Jesus, but completely different. He likes his food. Yes, and all this food. All this food. Right? It likes me of my, my mother-in-law, who I, I say, she loves through food. Right. You know, she can't, it's just, just how she outpours her, her affection and love with through delicious food. And, you know, basically so many of the stories that we have about Jesus during his lifetime are, are food stories, meal yeah. stories. Yeah. So I, I just savored the fact that this risen energy uh, comes to us in ways that are spectacularly ordinary. Hmm. So rather than looking for the spectacular or the extraordinary, it seems that our attention is being directed to the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Where where we eat, where we spend time with people we know and love. Uh, at this point, you know, these disciples are not being commissioned to go out into the world. Yeah. They're just meeting. Yeah. And it's like, before that can happen, this little group needs to get its energy back mm. and it needs to be recentered. And uh, some of them need to feel that they're forgiven. Mm. That theme comes up a lot in the stories. Jesus very clearly says to Peter, uh, you know, that he's loved and forgiven. And he says it three times, mm. you know, like it's got to really sink in because Peter feels so badly. Right. But, you know, well, he, didn't he did, didn't Peter deny him three he, times? He did. He forgave him for each and every one he, of those. For each and every one. Isn't that a wonderful story? I like that. And uh, and he also says to his disciples that uh, one of their one of their main missions as they begin to reconstitute their community is to be a community of forgiveness. Mm. So I get the sense that even there, it's providing them with a resource they might need for each other because maybe there's a little blaming going on, some accusation. If you had done this, if you hadn't done that, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. And so Jesus, in a very insightful, very pastoral way, actually addresses that. Interesting. Isn't that curious? I mean, it just it makes me think. I I feel like I've been observing that maybe it's a post-pandemic thing, maybe it's a we've been heading in this direction all along, but I feel like we've I feel like we as humans are particularly bad at being in community right now. It's after a struggle being for us. So isolated for so long. I mm-hmm. feel like that's the in, to be intentionally in community is can be tough mm-hmm. while we at the same time need it more than ever. Mm-hmm. I take comfort from the fact that even the disciples were having a little <laughs> a little struggle. They were having a big struggle. Yeah. yeah I agree. You know, that there's hurt mm-hmm. and they have to work through some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a lot has gone on in their lives. I was talking with a colleague many, many years ago uh, about someone who had just decided to join his congregation. And he said that uh, and when he was talking with her about this process, he said, well, the good news is you're going to be joining a community. Hmm. And the bad news is you're going to be joining a community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, of all the things that we apparently need to experience in some ways as part of spiritual growth is being part of a community. Yeah. And I also think it's curious that the language that one of the early Christian leaders uses to describe the church is not the word church, and it's not the word fellowship or any of that. It's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's as if the the community that's regathering in the you know post-resurrection era is now the new body of Christ. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a very lofty description of what that community, you know, can be. Yeah. But it's it also seems clear from these stories that to continue to interact with that energy that Jesus brought into the world is to be in community and is to do some of the simple things that he did with people, which is to eat with them yeah. or forgive them or travel alongside them. And so here's this extraordinary celebration, which actually leads to a very ordinary process mm -hmm. afterwards. And uh, I agree with you, Leslie. I think that community is something a lot of people longed for during the pandemic. We're just hungry, almost desperate for. On the other hand, some people are, you know, were tired of their involvements in community and kind of burned out from them sure. and used the time in the pandemic to regroup a little bit and mm -hmm. are sort of trying to find their way now back in, trying to mm -hmm. find a healthy relationship with community. So it's, um, we need solitude and we need togetherness, but in these post-resurrection stories, I'm so impressed by the, as I, I, the only other phrase I can think about it is the spectacular ordinariness of it. Yeah. Looking so. for all that. It makes me think of um, one of our church families here. Um, the mom posted on, on Instagram that she was saying her daughter, like from their, their walk from their house to mm. the street, she will stop about 15 times to like, <laughs> look at a flower, look at a pebble, look at a rock. And that she had to just finally like, go with it instead right. of fighting her on it yes that's and just great. stop and be like wow this flower really is beautiful look at the colors of this rock it makes me think there's um in my old house there's we had this sort of gravel section and we loved having you know um, friends over who had kids because they would inevitably start gathering the rocks which is right. kind of, it's gravel oh, i mean yes. really the most uninteresting what I would have said is uninteresting and they would find like the sparkly ones or right. the ones that have more blue oh, and they would true? find in this, I mean, talk about ordinary, right? ordinary gravel and they would find the most wonderful colors and textures. And then the parents would be like, we're not taking home <laughs> an entire bucket of rocks. Pocketfuls of gravel. Yes. You can, you can choose like three. Um, and then that was of course a fair, you know, you have to sort it out. And so it was always so fun to me to watch them just like so zoom like zoom in and just really focus in on mm. these and it's so you know I mean the most Home Depot of Home Depot gravel you can get. <laughs> <laughs> We're renovators on a budget here, Ed. <laughs> I get it. I get um, it. It's so cool. It's so fun. Well, I love that story and I and I love your story about the, you know, the mother who's saying, you know, it, however long it takes to get down to the mailbox, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm reminded of a section in a book called The Secret Spiritual Life of Children. Mm. I think the author's name is Hart Tobin. And he says that children are constantly saying to their parents, right? Yeah. What is that? What's that? What is that? What is this over here? Did Why? you hear that? Right? Yeah. His his thought is that actually children's receptors for the ordinariness, but sometimes the uh, you know the occasional encounter with invisibility or uh -huh. other things that are going on that only they can see and perceive, yeah, um, is just getting underway at that time. And so often, you know, we should like, come on, we we gotta you know we gotta right. get to this destination, right? 
And they're saying, but it, there's really something, you know, amazing here. Something special. And so I guess this is why Jesus said, unless you become as children, yeah. you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So there we go. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson described children as tiny scientists. Mm. Oh, that, that every time that. they're doing tiny something, they're scientists. encountering the world and doing little micro experiments of yeah. what happens if you if you splash in a muddy puddle, like what right. happens to the mud? Is there water? What happens that that helps me? I find when, especially when Mary Bear will take like a handful of food and just go right. and just smush it what between kind of her texture fingers. Can we get out of this? I mean, it's her first, I mean, <laughs> literally her first encounter with like that texture. I would want to know what it does between my fingers. She's trying to figure out what kind of world this is. I can't wait till she's old enough that I can introduce her some of those artistic textures that oh, we... Oh, goodness. <laughs> nothing like fiber fun. paste, you know? Oh, to... <laughs> I'm already planning an art room for this one. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she might be more into digital stuff because she keeps going to I my husband's computer drawing thing and keeps trying to like manipulate it with her hands. Oh, it's it really starts. Funny. Oh, it starts already. But yeah, that, that it's... There is something about that sentence. I'm never going to look at it again of our, you know, just, I keep changing the introduction of it's discover the holy and the ordinary, look for, mm -hmm. find, all those things. Depends yeah. on how I'm feeling that day. I think that's great. Um, but I'm not going to think of it the same because I think I had never thought of it before as connecting with a childlike wonder mm. is I think really mm. what we're, well, at least I think that's what I mean when I say that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Well, I think that this is probably this experience that the disciples have of Jesus post Easter is pretty much the same as the experience they had before Easter, mm -hmm. right? He was always pointing out things that were pretty readily accessible. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's wonderful that there's that continuity. And there's the assurance that if we're looking for that experience of energy and presence, it's available to us in these beautifully ordinary things. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Ed. Thank you, Leslie. I appreciate it. And thank you all so much for listening and watching. Roundhill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundhill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillradio.org.